This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and irrelevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Claire. Welcome, Claire. How are you? Hi, Annie. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I can't wait to hear your story. I know I know a bit about it because you put it on the blog and stuff. So I'm so okay. so excited to hear it um, sort of live. But why don't you kind of back us way up to the beginning, you know, even your first drink? Where, where did it all start for you? Yeah, okay. Um, I've taken some notes as well tonight just to make sure I, I keep on message. Um, so I guess back in the way up, um, I would always be given a small amount of alcohol just as a child at Christmas, like a wee bit of eggnog, um, as you would call it. We call it something else in Scotland uh, for Hogmanay, our new year, Christmas, a very small glass of sherry. And I always remember thinking, wow, I'm being included into the adult secret world of alcohol. Um, But it wasn't really an issue. My parents didn't really drink. Um, I wasn't really around a lot of alcohol as a child. But the culture in Scotland and other parts of the UK is, as a teenager, um, you go out with your friends, you buy alcohol, you go somewhere secret and you drink it, and uh, that's how you can start in your drinking career. So so that's what I just did when I was just a teenager of 14, maybe. We would go and buy, buy rum, bottles of Bacardi white rum, and uh, go around near a, a local swimming pool and drink it around the back of that car park, around the back of the swimming pool, just out of the bottle. So that's kind of so that that was kind of the norm for the teenagers in my area. And so, did that feel like you know? Did you like it or not really? Not really, to be honest. I remember not liking the taste. Um, I remember feeling the real effects of it as well, but just wanting to fit in. And I think really that was that's a kind of theme in my life, uh, as we'll get to, is just not fitting in and just something not quite right. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Oh, well then, so then what happened next? Yeah, so um, I was I did okay at school and I applied to go to university, and no one in my family had ever gone to university. I'm from a relatively poor working class family in Scotland. So my family were very proud that I went to the University of Edinburgh. So I moved away from home when I was 18. Um, So about two hours drive away uh, from where I lived. It was quite a big step for me. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who was a couple of years older than me. Um, He didn't drink at all. Um, So I went off to university and enjoyed my student life. And I guess the kind of the, the parental shackles were gone and I really enjoyed my time at university, drinking and smoking. Um, I never did drugs, that was something that never really was on the radar for me, but I got a real taste for alcohol as a student. 
so much so in my first year I failed all my exams because I was always partying um, and not really studying so uh, I had a, a pretty good time at uni. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I graduated from uni and then I decided I would go into the teaching profession. Um, I had always wanted to be in the police um, however I put that in the back burner and I, I decided to get into the teaching profession and whilst I was doing my teacher training so I would be 21 at the time everything sort of changed in my life for the first time when my father died um, so my dad was 43 when he died uh, very suddenly I was 21 oh. my mum was my mum was 41 when she was widowed um, my brothers were 19 and 10 and I remember coming home from the hospital when he after he had died and I went straight to a bottle of whiskey and I was drinking straight whiskey and I was doing it to numb just the absolute agony that I was in um, and that's the first time I really remember drinking to forget things and numb and, and, and using it as a crutch um, so I was getting married six months did later it, did it Sorry. work like was your was your recollection that it it sort of worked or how was that experience well, it, it, it worked in the sense that it made me unconscious and just fall in my bed and go to sleep whilst in tears and just feeling awful. But when I woke up, I was just really hungover. My, my dad was still gone. I still had grief. I still had things to deal with. But I also had this horrendous hangover. And I remember doing it all over again. And I don't really remember my dad's funeral. Um, and there's a, I have a lot of blanks in that time in my life um, and I was planning a wedding at the same time uh, I got married six months after my dad died so there was a lot going on at that time yeah yeah it for sure um, me of just you know just doing the best you can with the tools you have at the time you know just trying to cope and I think so I was trying to be there for my mum um, she just went to bits she just completely went to bits and you know, she's remarried now and she's living a, a happy life. But, you know, part of my mum died that day as well, you know, because they had such a good relationship, a loving relationship. You know, my dad was always chasing her and tickling her and cuddling her and telling her he loved her. And I had such a happy experience with my parents. Um, so part of her really was gone as well from that point and has never come back. So it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty horrendous, but. We've all got sad things that happen, I suppose. Yeah, it's really hard. So what um, I So I was planning the wedding. So six months later, I was due to get married. So the big wedding in the church with the big dress and all the men in kilts. And it was going to be a big thing. Um, so really busy, just threw myself into that. Completed my teacher training. Um, got married and just... Just as soon as I got married, I just thought, oh, something's missing, so let's get a dog. So we got a dog, and then I was saying, right, something's missing, something's missing. Oh, it must be my career. Teaching wasn't really the career that I was happy doing. Um, I was pretty stressed when I was a, a, a young teacher. I actually went back to my old high school as a teacher. I had just left four years previously. So I went back to work there, and I was working with my old teachers which was quite funny, um, but I decided to join the police. So I threw everything into joining the police. I had to lose weight, get fit. Um, my husband was in the police at the time. So 
And I thought, right, it's the place that must be my career. I started working in 1998 with the police and the big drinking culture. And what what prompted, like, what was your, um, did you just know you were kind of called to that career or how, how did that go? I, I think so. I remember ever since I was little wanting to be a police officer, but I, always wanted, but I wanted to go to university and I just thought, well, I'll do one and then maybe do the other. Um, and yeah, I just, I was so happy to, to join the police and uh, make lots of friends and uh, feeling like you're accepted because you're part of something bigger. Again, this feeling of something needing to fit in, needing to find something, somewhere to go, where does Claire fit in the world? Um, so I got, that was a real identity thing for me, uh, joining the police. Um, but with that came socialising, shift work, stressful jobs, real, real horrible. I've seen some horrible things. Um, and again, turning to alcohol to cope with a busy shift or to celebrate a good shift, uh, coming home off night shift in the morning and drinking at eight o'clock in the morning and then going to bed and wondering why I couldn't sleep and wondering why I had a terrible headache and just uh, my drinking morphed more into socialising but also kind of and a bit of coping. So then we started trying for a baby because again it was the right there's something there's something else so let's have a have a have a child. So I had my first son uh, in 2002 when I was 27. So uh, I went back to work 12 weeks after I had him. So I was putting pressure on myself. I think we all do as women. We try to be the best mum, the best worker, the best daughter, the best wife. We try and do all those things. So I went back to work after 12 weeks and uh, was I took on well at work and. I ended up uh, with postpartum depression, mm-hmm. uh, so I had to take some time off. And again, that's when can I, I remember drinking wine. I used to always drink vodka and beer. That was my, my kind of drinks. But when I became a mum, it was more wine. I don't know if that felt more socially acceptable to drink that yeah, sure. wine up, mommy wine culture. <laughs> but, but and my husband didn't drink at all, so. Uh, I was kind of hiding how much I was drinking at that point. Anyway, so I had, had my first son. So just out of curiosity, so your mm-hmm. husband was also a police officer, but yeah. drink, did it, was it because he had a bad experience or was it yeah. just? Okay. He did, yeah. He had a bad experience when he was, I think he was probably just before he was 18, he had to go to a hospital because he had drunk, drunk, drunk so much. Uh, so he, he never drank the whole time, the whole time we were together. Which meant anywhere we went, he was driving, so I could drink. Right. So now you're like perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that was the excuse uh, to always have a drink. Um, yeah. So uh, after having my son, uh, I thought, right, that things will settle, and you know, get back into a busy life with a with a, a young child and pursuing my career. I was going for promotion as well because I wanted to. To do to go up through the the ranks of police officer, um, and then I had my second uh, child in two thousand and six, um, and that was around about the same time I got promoted. So I got promoted to sergeant, which is the next step from constable, and I get promoted to 
a, a station that was about 40 miles away from my home address, so about an hour's drive. So I had to commute uh, after having had the, so I've now got a four-year-old and a baby and I'm commuting, driving backwards and forwards to work. I'm working shifts, I'm supervising, I'm still not happy, something's not right. It's just, and, and that's when I think the, the drinking really ramped up then for me, uh, really, because I was really numbing my whole life, everything. And, you know, I, I will, I'm happy to share that I did, you know, not want to do bath time. I did want to speed up reading bedtime stories because I wanted to go and have wine. And, and I do regret that. And I won't get that time back with, with my children. Um, but I did do that. So um, that was never a very nice time in my life. I, I remember that period in my life so well also, you know, just really rushing it through. And um, last night here in the US was actually Halloween and we stopped yeah. at like, all of a sudden, a lot of the houses, they have bars popping up so you can go trick-or-treating and right. they've got beers for the parents or mixed drinks for the parents. And they've got these like just bars, like full bars on their street where all the neighbors are getting to, together. And someone's offering us drinks and I was like, no, no, thanks. And they're like, this is the only way we can get through it. And I'm, I'm thinking like, gosh, there were so many things with kids that I tried to just get through with alcohol that are really so joyful, right? Like bedtime and stories is like such a joyful thing and trick-or-treating with your kids is such a joyful thing. Like when did we make it this burden to get through? So I just I just really, really remember that. Um, I had a follow-up question on something you just said, which was really, so you've gotten this promotion, you've got your two children, you've gotten your marriage. And mm -hmm. for me, I felt like, wow, when everything I thought I'd wanted, was in place in my life ironically that was when I felt really unfulfilled and kind of my drinking increased and I just wonder if that was the same experience that you had it, it was it to the to the outside world I had the perfect life I had a husband who adored me who was a good man who had a good job we had two cars we had a really nice house I had two beautiful children we holidayed in the US, we were always in Florida. So I had the perfect, I was career chasing my career. I had everything, um, but I just, it, it's probably one of the loneliest uh, times in my life, if I'm honest. Um, and I was really lost. I was really lost where, where I was at that time. So really it was difficult. Um, so, so I was working in uh, Glasgow and uh, I was exposed to a different world. I was exposed to different colleagues and people from all different diverse kind of backgrounds and profiles. And, and I, I started working with people who were gay and, you know, and bisexual. And I got my eyes open to be a bit working in this new environment with all these people and had new friends. And then... I started to have feelings for someone at work who was female. And then I started to panic and then I started to worry. And then I basically realized that the, 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 what I've always, what I had been seeking, what wasn't right, what wasn't fitting is that I'm actually gay. And whilst 
now I look back and 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 I'm really I'm really happy now, but my my life just fell apart. Yeah. It just fell apart, Annie. I was terrified. I thought I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my kids and my family. I was brought up in church. That's where I met my husband. My mother's very religious. Um, the police is very, it's, yeah, a very close-knit team. Everyone knew my husband. So we were known as, you know, the couple who were in, in the police together. Um, and I just, I just, everything just went out of control. I was drinking all the time. I was smoking. I was, I lost 50 pounds. Um, my mum thought I had cancer um, and I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak to anyone. I had no one to talk to. I was so frightened. Um, so eventually I managed to speak to someone at work and they encouraged me to seek counselling. So through our, our through Police Scotland have uh, counselling programmes. So I reached out to that. And I was put in touch with a counsellor, a local person who I used to go in secret, used to hide away to go hide my car when I was going to see the counsellor in case someone saw the car, my car, because it was a small village. So the counsellor really helped me to kind of talk through feelings and emotions and deal with, you know, what am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? Um, and I very slowly using the help that I got from the counselling, I started telling members of my family, um, told my mum, told my, told my husband. Unfortunately, I had blurted it out one night when I was drunk to my husband. Um, and I really, really regret that as well because you can't take it back when you see it. And I just, I almost spat the words out at him because he was so worried about me. And uh, I was really just full of anger and just said something to him and I couldn't take it back. So, but I managed to speak to him properly. And so it was a lot of work to do that, to build up the courage to move out, you know, find somewhere else to live, start my life again at 36. Um, and tell my kids, my kids were eight and four. Um, but I had to leave them in the home at home with their dad um, whilst we had a it wasn't a, an angry argumentative breakup it was just a sad but it wasn't I didn't want it wasn't I didn't want to be with him anymore it was just I couldn't be with him anymore and so but he did say that I couldn't take the kids so I had to move out um, but they came to live with me a couple of days you know a week I told people at work, people at work were very good. My family were very supportive, my brothers, um, and I was very lucky to have, I did have a lot of good friends around me at the time, but it was it was so frightening, terrifying. I, but, I have to say, Claire, that, um, gosh, what a brave story. And I'm such a firm believer that the best thing we can do for our children is to be our true selves. Like there's nothing that's a bigger gift is to be an example of being who you really are because it gives them permission to be who they really are. And I just think like that's, you could have made a different choice and you could have hidden and it would have been easier. Um, but it's just so beautiful to hear because 
it's just such, it's, there's no more profound gift to your children than to, to just follow who you really are and, and live into that because it will give them permission for the rest of their lives. They'll see that as a shining light, an example, mm -hmm. uh, no matter how hard it was. So anyway, I just think that's just so awesome of you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just, uh, yeah, so I've had to process quite a lot since then, um, you know, with them and um, I've got some stuff going on just now with my son, my second son. Um, if you've read my blog, you'll, you'll probably see you, but, um, but I, so things are, you know, are, that's what it is. I'm just trying to, I just try to be who I am now um, and not, and, and I'm not looking for something else. Now I'm very content. I'm now forty-eight, so I'm at that point in my life now where I'm I'm content with where I am. But uh, yeah, so things that things got better. It's not a, it's not a sad story. No, it's not a sad story. No, no, it's a human um, story. <laughs> yeah, right, yep, and it's not an it's not an unusual one actually. I've got I've got I do know other people that happen to that this is this late bloomers they call it. Um, but looking back, I loved my husband. Absolutely. He stood in that church and I made my vows. And I loved him and I wanted to be with him and I wanted my life to work out. I never stood there uh, telling a lie. You know, I didn't. I wasn't saying it half with my fingers crossed. I do. I meant it. Um, yeah. And I did love him. And I'm still very close to him. He's one of my closest friends now, um, now that we're through this. But yeah, so, so I just, I, so things just kind of, it, one good thing, my work were very good with me, they moved me back to where I live to work, so I was given a, a free, a, a transfer back, so I wasn't travelling eh, so much commuting to work, and also I was closer to home, and so I could go and get the kids from school, and I could go and do the appointments I had to make it, you know, to get my flat and, you know, get sort my finances eh, and go to the lawyers and stuff that I had to do. So the work, my work was very good that way with me. So I just made it work. I was I was actually, I remember standing in my flat that I got and um, I went to pick up the keys with my mum and we went into the flat and I was so happy because it was such a, it was just marking a new point in my life. And I was so excited. I'd done all the work with a counsellor and I was really excited about getting my new flat. And I turned around and my mum was crying because she was thinking about everything that had been before. She wasn't thinking about what was coming. And I was so excited about what was coming in my life. But she was focusing on, oh, look at everything you've lost, you know. But I just remember thinking, oh, I can't wait to start my new life and just be the mum that I want to be for my kids. Um, yeah, so, so just take a wee drink, it's more emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice, so you want me just to tell you what happened next then? Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> enthralled, so carry <laughs> on. So uh, round about this time, so just um, when I was just got my new flat and was just moving on with my life. I actually met someone um, and she she came into my life actually through work. I did meet her through work as well. Um, and 
uh, we started sort of seeing each other uh, and I'm still with her. Uh, her name is Julie and it's, she's just amazing. It's just been an amazing 12 years to have been with her. Um, and it was just, when she came, when she came into my life, that I was at such a low point, but I was so happy. It was, it was a, a kind of juxtaposition where it was sad, but it was happy. So I now had this freedom, if you like, because I didn't have my kids with me all the time. So Julie and I could go on holiday without kids. So a kid-free vacation, I'm sure. You understand how nice that can be, even though we love them. We make um, a joke that it's a trip if the kids are there. It, uh, it's not a vacation. It's a vacation only if there's no kids. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, I was now in a position where uh, I was to be in holidays and weekends away. So it basically was party time, party time for me. And Julie didn't, uh, Julie didn't really drink when we met. Uh, but I soon changed. I soon changed that because it was all about let's celebrate, let's get prosecco, let's do shots, let's get cocktails, let's go all inclusive holidays, and just when we go away and we're flying, go, let's go to the airport lounge and have lots of drinks before we go on the plane. And um, it was just real party type, really good times, really good fun times. Um, but alcohol playing a huge part in that. Um, if I'm honest and and almost it was it was kind of becoming it was becoming kind of woven into who I was I think because I was now finding this new ide my identity um it was almost as if that was becoming part of it it was like it was clear and well clear all clear likes of vodka so that's what people got me as a gift for Christmas or my birthday or anything I just got bottles of vodka when I turned 40 his house was full of bottles of vodka and Prosecco and champagne, which was very generous. But um, it just it, it just kind of, it turned from the thing that I went to to help me numb and to help me cope with things. It, it turned into this, let's celebrate, let's go and just really drink, drink as much as we can. So there was, there was quite a few times when I would think, right, I'm going to moderate, I'm going to do that, I won't drink during the week, I'll, I'll, I'll only drink two beers, or I'll, I won't drink wine, and all the stories that I've heard on these podcasts, because I listen to this podcast every day. Uh, so all these stories, um, I was exactly the same. I would Google in the middle of the night, am I an alcoholic? I would uh, question, you know, my drinking, and just, but I just felt, Annie, that I just made all my plans, all my plans were all based around it. Yep. When I wasn't when I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about it. I was planning what we would do on Friday night. How do we get there? Do we leave the car? We'll get the taxi. Um, and it almost turned into I started to resent not being not being able to drink, like a night out. It was it was like I I thought oh, I'll never enjoy myself. If I go to that wedding and I'm not, if I've not had a drink, um, and it's just, it just became such a big, a big thing in my life. And and Julie started to drink more with me, obviously. I am, um, and you know, we're known as the good time girls. 
and the family, you know, because we always turn up and we're the life and soul of the party, but half the time I didn't remember the party because I'd had uh, too much to drink. And I'm very lucky we have a relationship that is very nurturing and very supportive and we rarely argue. Sometimes, I mean, everyone argues, but when we did have real arguments, it would be when I had had too much to drink and you become unreasonable and I would mishear what she'd said or she would mishear what I would say and you misconstrue it and then one word says another thing then another and then before you know it, you're not speaking for two days and everyone's miserable and you just feel awful um so that was kind of happening every now and again but um I guess it really ramped up was during Covid I suppose very similar again uh, to everybody's kind of stories about lockdown and stuff um I was I got promoted again so next rank so I'm now an ins inspector I think that's like a lieutenant I think uh, over in the US I think it's um, much cooler so I like inspector <laughs> well I, I like lieutenant I think <laughs> lieutenant Cagney and Lacey was one of my favorite shows when oh, I was young so I was like lieutenant I'll do um so uh, I had been promoted. So in the time that I've been with uh, with Julie and, and we got married, Julie and I got married in 2012. So we've been married for 10 years. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So uh, I got promoted and I was given a laptop and I was given the ability to work from home. Um, just right round about when the first lockdown hit in the March 2020. So, um, and that's when... My, my drinking just went into absolute overdrive. Just, I never drank during work hours because I'm on duty. And because I'm on duty as a police officer, I would never drink um, during eight in the morning to four at night. But as soon as four o'clock rolled around, laptop was closed, opened the vodka, drink till midnight from four o'clock, uh, go to bed, get up, open the laptop, and it was just repeat, 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 every day, every day. It was the same. So uh, Julie was Julie did drink more during lockdown as well. She would be out in the garden. I would sit here and look out, and she'd be sitting in the garden having cocktails at lunchtime, and I would still be working and desperate to have my drink. So, um, so obviously, I mean, that was a good, a good. Uh, few months with a lockdown and we have got a small caravan like you hitch it up to the back of your car so like a I suppose a mobile home you would say and we had gone away for the weekend and I had taken a, a big bottle of vodka with me um, and we had been drink I'd been drinking that at the weekend we came home on the Sunday and um, I was putting the uh, food by put, putting food away in the cupboard, and I looked at the vodka and I saw that there wasn't much left, but I wanted to have a drink, so I opened a brand new bottle of rum instead of finishing the huge bottle of vodka because I didn't want to know how much I had drank that weekend. If that makes sense. Um, yes. So, so now I'm lying to myself. So now I'm like hiding. Like I don't want to see the vodka. I'm going to drink the rum. And I got, I, I remember opening that bottle of rum and thinking, 
why? What are you doing? Just don't have anything if you're worried that you've drank too much vodka. And it was, I just said, no, I'm just have a drink. So I drank quite a lot of rum that night. So this is October the 2020. So I've done the kind of first six months of the lockdown. And uh, Julie and I had a huge argument that night about nothing. Something we said, two of us were drunk and we just fell out. So the next morning I woke up and I was sitting through in my, my front, my lounge at 6.40 in the morning. <laughs> and I remember it and I just thought, I'm, I'm just so done. I'm just, I just don't, I can't, this, I can't sleep. I'm always on edge. I'm always anxious, always had a feeling of that nervousness in your tummy, that just... Just, I just wanted to be free. I, I just so wanted to get a break and forget about drinking and just start so, try and do something about it. So my second son had told me about an app called I Am Sober, um, which he was using for self-harm. Uh, and it's a countdown app. So it's 6.40 in the morning, on a Monday morning, the 26th of October, 2020, I downloaded that app and I put in my details and you have to do a wee pledge every day. I don't know if you know about it. There's a lot of people from the US on it. So you pledge every day that you won't, you won't drink and then at night you review and you, you, you sort of give notes for your day. And you get, you can reach, other people can message you and it's, it's quite a good support. You get daily motivation as well. And so I downloaded that that morning and my intention was I'm going to try and do 30 days. That was my intention. I am sober, 30 days, and just prove to myself that I could do it. Because the big thing here is dry January, uh, dry July, all those kind of things. So sober October is another one in the UK. Um, so I had no intention of stopping drinking forever or anything like that I just thought I'll try and do 30 days but I'll just try and do today so so that was good the first day wasn't too bad it's probably the best and the worst Monday of my life <laughs> when I look when I think about it uh, so I just put the laptop switched on the laptop started working and I just thought right I'm just going to do this two days later so the first couple of days were pretty rough I had real sort of cravings and I just sort of tried to push them down and deal with them but I didn't I wasn't really using anything to help me process my thoughts my feelings and my emotions I had nothing to do I just did this app and then I saw someone had mentioned this naked mind uh, and they had mentioned you so then uh straight on to Amazon got the book started listening to the podcast and it just it just, it just was amazing. It just has totally changed my life. Um, and 30 days, did it no problem. Then I thought, right, I'll do 60. I did sign up for the alcohol experiment, uh, but that was about 15 or 16 days into my 30 days. So, and that was amazing, getting the, the video every day. Um, that really helped. So then 60 days in, I thought, right, I'll try 90. 
So I thought, right, okay, I'll try 19. I got 19. I'm thinking, right, wow, that's Christmas. Right, okay, I've got an alcohol-free Christmas. Can I do it? Well, I did. Right, okay, wow. And then I think, right, 100. And then you think, can I do it here? I don't know. I never set out to, to do it for a long period of time. Um, and last Wednesday was two years. Um, last <laughs> Wednesday, 26 October, was two years. And I haven't looked back, and I, and I don't I don't want to go back. I don't miss alcohol. I don't I, I don't miss. I've done everything now. I've done as you've said. Um, I've been in all inclusive holidays. I've been at funerals, at weddings, at parties. I've celebrated promotion, a job. I've celebrated all sorts of things. My grandmother died. In February, I've been at funerals. I've done everything now. I've experienced every life event, and um, I, I don't I have not felt like drinking at all at any of them. Um, and I just feel so free. It's exactly what your what your book says. I have just found total freedom, and 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 I never ever want to go back um, to where I was. Wow. I have like chills. That's such a, such a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, how did it, how did it go in your marriage? I, so it's, it's good. So Julie stopped drinking with me that day. Um, I told her we made up after the argument. I showed her this, <laughs> I showed her the app and I said, I'm going to try this. So she said, right, okay, I'll, I'll, I, I will not. I will not drink with you today, as the as the phrase goes. Um, and she didn't drink until the Christmas. She actually, uh, but she did have a glass of wine on Christmas Day. Um, so she still does uh, drink now, that, um, but not nowhere near the amount that, that she used to do. She she likes her red wine every now and again. She likes her whiskey. Um, it's just it's just part of that she likes to. To do that, we went on holiday. We went on a cruise. We're just back from Florida on a cruise just a couple of weeks ago, and um, she had the all-inclusive drinks package. We're Royal Caribbean, and I had the soda package. Um, but I had all the mocktails and all that. And I tried for the first time a Shirley Temple because you always talk about Shirley Temples. So sweet, but so good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. As soon as I saw it, I actually said to Julie, I said, oh, that's what Annie Grace talks about. <laughs> Shirley Temple. <laughs> um, I so, but I don't, I don't, I just don't miss it at all. And it's just, everything just made such sense. You know, everything that you've put in your book. And I just think yeah, you are totally saving lives with, with what you're doing. It's just, you've definitely saved mine. Definitely saved mine. Um, because I think it would have just got worse and worse for me. Um, and blackouts were a regular thing. Um, and just I was turning into someone that I didn't want to be. So I just I know I'm just I'm who I am. It's just I'm just so much happier. And I'm going to retire soon. So I'm looking forward to retirement. Well, that's just so cool, Claire. I am. Um... I love how you guys have been able to 
not need each other to change too. I think that's such a, gosh, it's such a huge testimony to this being for you. And, you know, my husband, he doesn't drink anymore now, but it was two, two and a half years for me before he actually was like, actually none of us, we don't have any idea when he stopped because it was just eventually he's like, huh, I haven't had a drink in a while. And then it, you know, it had been a while, but it was, and I think it's, it's such a cool thing to be able to be fully yourself, but also fully connected and not have something as small as alcohol. And I know it's really hard for people, but how I see it is that if you are letting alcohol get in the way, you know, if it's, you know, obviously if there's really bad drinking where you're afraid for them or you're afraid of them or something like that's a different conversation, yeah. but in general, if they're just, they like it, you don't, or they want to, you don't, you're not giving alcohol any power by not having any force or expectation around another person's behavior. So I just think that's a, a specifically cool part of your story that is worth mentioning. Uh, yeah, thanks. I think it's just, she's such a, an, an amazing support to me, you know, um, and she has got experience in her own family going to uh, various groups and things. So there is, you know, alcoholism in her family. So she gets it, you know, and, and, it, and actually you talk about alcohol being small and irrelevant, you know, it, it, it actually is for Julie. She just still has a drink. Um, but, you know, she she won't drink. There's loads of times where she'll say, no, I'm, I'm not drinking tonight um, if we go out or go to a wedding or whatever. So just because I don't drink now, she says I don't have to drive everywhere. So, um, but, aye, so it's, I think... Um, I'm, I'm starting to now kind of evaluate where I am and uh, I'm hoping to, well, I'm going to retire in about a year and a half. I can, I'm lucky I can retire at 50 from the police. And I'm, I'm really interested in looking at your coaching programme and I think that's where I was I probably would like to kind of go from now from and, and start to sort of share this. I have shared with colleagues from work who have bought your book and who have started listening to the podcast but it's such a fine line you don't want to be that person where they go oh, no here's this she's gonna you know she's oh here comes Claire you know um but I have got a couple Wait, I have, I have, <laughs> here comes here comes the mood hoover <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure yeah. but I well, uh, so I would like to try and give back I would like I would like to try and give something back which is why I was happy to be get my story in the blog and and uh, to do this is, this is amazing to just to meet you and have the ability to and even if someone listening does if they recognise a wee bit in, in my story you know you can do it it's totally doable if you just trust and and just and and follow the process that that you've you've created for us Annie. Oh, it's so cool. What a cool story and how fun. I would love to have you as a coach. I was thinking when you were talking some of your story, I was like, wow, this is, this is so powerful. There's probably so many people going through similar things and um, what a cool thing. I think that's one of the, the coolest parts about the coaching certification is finding the people who were you three, four years ago, or were you, you know, and, and just being able to be kind of that light in the dark where um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just such a neat aspect of humanity that the wounded healer of somebody not, you know, 
not, yeah, let's go to school. Let's learn all the important stuff. Let's go through the stuff, but also that personal story of being there and understanding. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. So, all right, this has been amazing. Let me ask you the question that I kind of finished these up with, which is if you were going to go back to Claire, who was so afraid and, you know, drinking to numb all of the, can't even imagine what life is like not being a straight woman married with two kids. How is that going to work? Um, and just tell her about how it's all turned out. What would you say? Yeah, I've thought about this because I know you always ask this. So I think I would just say, I think the first thing I'd do is put my arm around her. And I would just say, you're going to be okay. Yeah, you're going to be okay. Things are going to happen. And if I told you what they are, you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> just trust. You're going to be okay. You'll end up happier, more secure, and you'll, you'll find yourself. So just, you'll be okay. I love that. That's what we all need to hear from our ourselves. And sometimes I even recommend that people go into their future and have that conversation with, you know, from that perspective with their current situation, because I, I do believe we can kind of access ourselves among different points in time and get that <laughs> wisdom. So it's just really beautiful. Well, thank you, Claire, so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been really riveting and just um, so powerful and you're you're great at telling it so I just really appreciate your time thank you Annie and thank you for for everything and all the work you've done and yeah you're just amazing and I think uh, the whole world should know about you Are you ready to make instant changes to your drinking? The answer is not in restriction or deprivation, and you don't need more self-control. I am here to tell you that you can break your patterns and habits and finally feel liberated from alcohol. You can return to a life where alcohol is small and irrelevant for you, a non-issue, take it or leave it. In fact, we have three secrets to control your drinking and we are going to teach them all live in a special three-day free virtual event from June 6th to 8th. Learn the three secrets to control your drinking and make changes instantly live with us. Save your spot today at controlalcohollive.com. We can't wait to see you there. And as always, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.